0: That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work completed for by law.
1: 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Chairman Mao, Jamie Howe, Ho Chi Minh, Asif Din, Vaslav Havel, Graham Savile. No surrender, Percy Fender, Guerrilla
0: Cricket. Good morning, good afternoon, good dawn, good dusk, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to Guerrilla Cricket. I'm Guerrilla Hendo, Nigel Henderson. It's so good to be back and with a live series to look forward to. And, uh, with the West Indies bravely and selflessly agreeing to a buyer secure series in England, it's uh, they, we concentrate mainly on in this preview. And to achieve that aim, I am guided by three very wise men. Indeed. I have Barry Wilkinson all the way from a, no doubt, a wonderful sunny morning in Barbados. Uh, he's a uh, broadcaster with line and length there. We have Mashel St. Patrick Hewitt, well known to Gorilla listeners and viewers, who is, uh, Now, pulling up trees with the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. And David Brook, of course, um, well known to uh, listeners who will be not just representing guerrilla cricket uh, for this tournament or for this series, should I say, but also he will be providing immensely wise feedback to Sportsmax in, is that Jamaica, David? It is.
3: They're throughout the Caribbean. Throughout the Caribbean.
0: Marvellous news. Based in Jamaica. Before looking ahead to the actual series, I thought a momentous, I suppose, moment last week, Um, the the, the death or the passing of uh, Everton Weeks. Now, I'm pretty sure that amongst the three of you, uh, some of you must have known him a little bit or even quite well. Barry, um, you you must have uh, had uh, lots of dealings with him. Um, Tell me a little bit about him and tell me a a little bit about the reaction in the Caribbean um, to his passing at 95 last week.
2: Well, unfortunately, um, I, I didn't get to see him back. Uh, he was uh, just a, a little bit before my time. Um, but I've seen several videos and I've seen several, um, you know, speeches and several things that he said. Having said that, he was a very close and personal friend with our family and myself because he was never short of having that kind of ear that I am average weeks. He was approachable. He was extremely lovely gentleman. Um, it makes no sense perhaps talking about his cricket and exploits because we all know them. He was part of that famous Triumph Fight, three W's, World Weeks and Walker. So, uh, Sir Frank World, uh, Sir Clayton Walker, and himself, Sir Everton Weeks. So uh, we've, la- we've lost the last of the living three W's, which I think is very iconic in Barbados. And uh, generally, he was someone who loved cricket, whether it be T20 50 over or test even though he would never have played any one internationals or T20s uh, he loved being at cricket and he, he was a figure that you would always see at Kensington sitting down watching cricket it doesn't matter what kind of cricket was being played so he's a big loss to Barbados he's a, he's a national icon he's a treasure and he was indeed a hell of a cricketer and even a better man
0: now, I'm, I'm sure that David, um, in his uh, romps around the Caribbean, has been out for a night or two with Everton over the years. Um, can, you, can you reveal anything about those and, and what sort of bloke he was, uh, Dave? Well, we've never had a, an actual ex- excursion,
3: but I have uh, been in his company, uh, had the pleasure of his company at the Three W's ground, actually, where uh, everyone sort of sits together. There aren't any um, sort of me- uh, directors' boxes or anything. So I had the pre- pleasure of sitting next to him um and watching a game and and just as uh, barry said you know he, he he's not one of these legends that thinks looks down on the modern game you know he's very much enjoying it savoring it and and very generous in the way that he talks about it something he, sh- he has in common with uh, uh, the great sir gary sobers and uh, of course he was also um quite a distinguished broadcaster uh, for a long period you know he was the sort of ball by ball summarizer and he would, you know, he would say things that were um, uh, in anyone else's voice uh, wouldn't have sounded particularly uh, anything to note. But when he said them, they carried a weight, you know, way beyond. It was. Uh, I remember him talking about Joel Garn and He said, "Well, he's a very, he's a very big man, and he delivers the ball from a from a big height." Um, and that was it. There wasn't anything else that he's added to that. But he just let it let it sit there, you know, yeah. and. Um, yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he never wasted any words uh, in the commentary box, so he would have kept the ball-by-ball commentator on his toes. You know. Did you work with him, Barry?
2: Um, i never worked with him doing ball-by-ball because he, he retired when I would have started, which was just about uh, the year 1999-2000, uh, when he just decided, look, I want to spend the last 15 uh, years uh, relying and enjoying cricket. And things changed in terms of the rights because what happened is, is that he worked for the Caribbean Broadcasting Corporation as their, uh, their comments man. He was the in-house um, comments man. But then the Caribbean Broadcasting Corporation lost rights to the Caribbean Media Corporation and they didn't use him as their man around the Caribbean. So yeah, uh, after that, he just decided to call it a day and move on.
0: Uh, Mash, as a, as a representative of a slightly younger um, uh, West Indies uh, cricket generation,
1: uh, what What do the name Everton Weeks mean to you? I'm actually glad you said it that way, because um I think what's been quite telling um, in the week or so since the passing is the reaction of the as squad. Sorry, I missed that, Barry.
2: As much as begins to talk, I, I thought it was Chris Gill, <laughs> but then when I heard it, it
0: wasn't good because he wasn't slagging on Sarwan.
1: So go ahead. <laughs> very good point. Well, you can slag up Sarwan if you want to, man. <laughs> but let's, let's deal with Everton first. So, yeah, um, I think what's been quite instructive um, is to see the reaction of the West Indies squad um, of players. This is a very young team, generally speaking, for West Indies in England. And you can see... the. Rev- with which they they hold Everton through Everton Week in, and I think that's been really encouraging to see because I think every nation has cricketing royalty, and that's the only I think that's the way really to to remember uh, not just Sir Everton Week but the three Ws in general. And it's it's you can be years upon years away from when a cricketer uh, graced grounds and showed their practice, but. It shows that, like the outpouring of emotion uh, since his passing, shows that his, he transcended generations of cricket. Do you think uh, it has anything? Do, does it
0: have anything to do with the the huge representation of Barb, Barbados cricketers in
1: that squad? That is why they feel so close to him. I would say so. I would say that definitely plays a part, but also it probably reflects Jason Holder's leadership and how I think seeing the the squad's reaction to meet Matov. Jason more than likely saying, let us show our respect in the right way. And that's not just because Jason is from Barbados. I think that reflects Jason as a man um, as well. But yes, as you say, of course, this is Bayesian cricket in royalty as well. So, and with a Barbados heavy team, that would have a huge impact as well.
0: Well, let's uh, let's look forward now rather than back. Um, and, well, we've had an extraordinary build up to this this series, really, where no one's played proper cricket. They've played these intra-squad games. Um, a lot of people just say normally with uh, warm-up games, you can't read anything into them. Uh, does the intra-squad game bring anything more to that? The sort of rivalries within the squad? Uh, I'm wondering um, what you feel about that, Barry. Has that come to the fore do you think, in the uh, the two games the West Indies have played?
2: Well, you know, the thing about it is the the, barbarians, the West Indies team have a lot of barbarians in the team at the moment. I think they are as many as nine in this, in the this mm. squad, quite a lot. But of course, some of them would have gotten the opportunity because three players who are non-Barbadian pulled out of the squad in Shimon Hetmeier, Timo uh, Paul, and Darren Bravo. Now, had they been um, part of the team, which they were, would have been first choice, you would not have seen as many. So there is inter-regional rivalry, but you'll have to say that the, the, the Barbadians on the team have made the team on merit um, rather than any bias selection. Uh,
0: Mash your your views from watching from afar. I know you've uh, you've had a chat at le- to at least one of the squad members in uh, Josh D'Souza. Souza. Um, what what have you um, grasped from from what you've seen um, up up north in the last week or so?
1: To be honest, I I don't think we've learned anything that we didn't know beforehand. Um, I, I I want to say that we should be paying particular heed to, but like the the big the big stories are going to be can the West Indies back? But we knew that before the warm-up games. So I, I genuinely don't believe that the, the warm-up games have probably been better for the reserve players that have travelled than, than, than it's been for the first team uh, or the first 11. The first 11 that will play on Wednesday um, is likely to be the first 11 that would have been picked irrespective. Of the warm-up game, so sometimes you have to back these warm-up games and say, is it literally just to kind of get yourself in nick, rather than is a score of eighty odd really instructive as to what may or may not go on? Um, so, I mean, Craig Brathwaite, for example, got eighty odd in the first warm-up game. I would love that to mean that now he's back in form and facing a fired-up Jimmy and uh, Stuart Broad, he's going to be able to repel them, but. If come the first day of the first test, he's out before ten runs. I also wouldn't be surprised. So, do you see what I mean? It it kind of tells you some things, but at the same time, doesn't really tell you a lot.
0: Let's talk. Let's talk about that top order and Craig Brathway,
3: David. Just, just one thing on that um, Hendo. Mm. Just just one thing on that before we leave it. I thought there's a missed opportunity. You know the, these warm up matches because it, obviously normally they play against the county and people would say oh, the county's not very strong, or whatever. Yeah. But, At least it would be a competitive match, and the plan was to the the second game was supposed to be first-class status, and then they changed that. But it just felt like a bit low intensity, and I think um, a number of reasons for that. Uh, They played in training kit, which is a bit Mm. odd, rather than playing in whites, because surely part of it is visualizing the ball against the appropriate background, Um, and uh, also why did they pick? Yeah, uh, why did they pick twenty pick twenty five to come, and then uh, why did they pick the fifteen or the fourteen? you know, before the tours even started, why not wait until after the warm-up matches and give everyone a chance of getting into that team? You know, why create a barrier between squad players and reserve players? Why call them reserves? It's undermining their confidence before you start. And you've got Just Silver who scored 180 runs without being defeated, not given a sniff in a top order that everyone's saying, including the assistant coach, who was stupid enough, I thought, not stupid enough, but unwise enough. To say that this uh, well, is going to cricket, it's not yeah. as bland, it's not as bland as the channels you're on, Barry. Uh, it's um, he was uh, unwise enough to uh, to say that the top order was a concern. I mean, he's the bowling coach. I don't know why he's commenting on, it. but given that Josh Silver did everything uh, when he's done everything required of him, including giving an interview on the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, so you can't force him for his media or what he's done on the pitch, and yet he doesn't get in. Uh, an exception is made for Gabriel. So in the press conference today, I put it to the coach. I said, why did you pick? Uh, why didn't you pick from 25 rather than 15? And yeah. he said, that could change after the first test. That's what He said, I can exclusively reveal. So this is only a squad for the first test, which is kind of a bit, you know, again, a bit odd. Uh, and then, of course, the other uh, interesting thing about the warm-up matches is that the coach hasn't had any contact with the rest of the team because they've been scheduled while he was uh, in quarantine. So he's sort of been watching from the balcony. You know, in the manner oh, that's caused uh, yeah
0: that's caused a, a certain amount of controversy as well, hasn't it? Uh, the fact that he yes. was uh, he was off to a funeral. Um, how do we feel about that? Simmons has just come back as coach of of the West Indies, and there's a history there, isn't there, uh, Barry? Um, what, what is is he going to be sort of slightly put off by by the pronouncements that have been coming from the Caribbean?
2: No, he's a very strong character, Phil Simmons. That won't perturb him at all. And I get the impression that he's been given carte blanche to, I wouldn't say do as he likes, but I get the impression he's been given carte blanche to run the ship without any, hmm. uh, any problems or any micromanaging. So that would not deter him. But let me say this, from the onset of this whole Biosecure tour arrangement, I had a red flag from the very beginning because I think it's, it's utter nonsense. Uh, well, not the tour per se. I'm talking about the whole thing about Biosecure. Now, what really is a biosecure uh, environment? What really is a bubble? It just makes zero sense to me. Um, I thought that <laughs> the players and the England players, if you're going to be playing um, in an environment in England, certainly you could have stuck to the original arrangement of playing at Lords, Edgerton, and the Oval. I don't see how you just playing at one uh, particular venue or sleeping and playing will make any kind of difference to you uh, per se catching COVID or not. That's just my particular feeling on it because I don't care what you say. Everyone who's working at that hotel, everyone who's coming in and out of the hotel has not slept and lived at that hotel. The West hmm. Indies must have come into contact with Pers well, Barry,
3: Australia yeah. and Pakistan, it's been announced today, are going to play under the same uh, issue. They're going to play at the same grounds in the same by secure environment. So if they've got it wrong for this series, they've also got it wrong for the rest of the summer too.
2: Well, they might, well, I think what will happen, David, is that they've, they've, they'll use this tour as perhaps a, a bit of a benchmark uh, to see how they can judge it. I'm, I'm not sure. The Australian-Pakistan teams, I don't know they haven't released their squads yet, but will they have a squad of 25 or 30 people as well?
3: Pakistan will.
2: Yeah. So, so you know, you, I think that it's a great test to see how it will go, but I just don't feel it as cricket. I just don't feel that. I mean, uh, you can advise me, David, in the English Premier League, is Liverpool slipping at Anfield.
0: <laughs> Good point. Good point. Well there was talk wasn't there with the Premier League there was talk that they were they were going to have uh, games yeah. at, at uh, neutral venues and then that got uh, cast aside, didn't it?
3: That's right. They did look like they nodded off during the Manchester City match, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> anyway, let's that, that that is something that will become I suppose more evident. I I just think it's a little strange that we you look at the West End and the Pakistan series, we're going to have three games at Old Trafford. And in a season when we've had uh, no cricket so far, they're taking three of the test matches of the summer to the, to the rainiest part of the UK. It seems um, extremely odd to me. And I think uh, MASH was up this morning uh, warning us that, that showers are expected at Southampton on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Anyway, let's move on from that. Let's talk about... Um, uh, some of the matchups that that we're going to get it in this um, series, or we think we're going to get um, a lot of uh, talk about Ben Stokes v. Jason Holder, the second best all-rounder in the world against the first best all-rounder in the world. Um, is that the only matchup that we we've, we've got to be focusing on, or are there other crucial um, individual battles MASH, that you think that uh, that are there to be won? Do
1: you know what? I'm not really focusing on the Ben Stokes Jason Holder thing. I mm. think that's that's just a that's just a headline mm. um, because they're two very good players. The reality is, and I'll, I'll say it again: the, the focus of this whole series, purely from a West Indies perspective, is can the top six bat? That's really this whole series just boils down to that. Um, the West Indies, historically, I keep state I keep stating this stat: you go back the last ten Test matches, the West Indies have passed two hundred and fifty runs four times, and that's with that's. If if Hetmyer's there, if Bravo was there, whoever, and this mm. is a weaker team without Hetmyer and Bravo, in I hasten to add, some at least two players in every single innings that the West Indies bat have to turn up. Right now, I couldn't even tell you about one player turning up. So <laughs> it's going to it's going to be very very hard. Um, the the, the match up. Sorry, let me answer your question: Is how well can the West Indies top six repel? Jimmy, Stuart Broad, you have to assume Joffrey will get the first start over Mark Wood. Um, how well can they repel? Um, I suspect, and I keep, everyone always says that I'm pessimistic, whereas I just think I'm a realist. Um, West Indies will be 30 for three on a minimum of three out of six occasions in these test matches.
0: Uh, do you think that that, that could possibly said, be said about England as well, couldn't it, um, David? I mean, you look at that top four, especially with Joe Root missing uh, in the first test. It's, it's, it's again, it's, it's bowlers against rather, um, well, batsmen that have got a lot to prove. Well,
3: yeah, that uh, England top order isn't going to uh, trouble West Indies too much on paper, is it? And uh, it's only a year ago that England were bowled out for 77 in the first test at uh, Bridgetown. Barbados and they folded in the the second test as well Um, so um, yeah I think that um, West Indies will be encouraged by that although statisticians would say that England like Knackle would probably say at this point that West Indies bowling record is not as good overseas as it is in the Caribbean they average 35 runs a wicket um, overseas whereas it's 25 in the Caribbean so it's a 10 run different stats would say Um, but I wonder if the top order of you know and Burns, Burns had a very difficult tour in the Caribbean, so he's going to be tested out. I see him going early. I could see them working out simply actually. I, I, I'm not sure he's yet established himself, and we know that Zach Crawley is really just starting out. You know, he's a county player, and Joe Denley has spent his whole career as a county player. So you know West Indies against any county side would roll them over, and I don't think the top four you know are yet to, to make that you know, transition into real a uh, test match top order. So, uh, if you have a problem with the West Indies top order, you've got to have a problem with the England top order as well. And um, if we'll, don't forget everyone wrote West Indies off last year after losing the first test in three degrees temperature during a day-night experiment in Birmingham at the end of May. But when they actually played in proper conditions at Headingley in the second test, Shea Hope got a century in both innings. Brathwaite just missed out on the, set on the same feet by about five runs. So, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's more even than people think. Either, you know, six to one West Indies is a lot, but probably, yeah, um, on balance, England will be favourites, but not as strong favourites as they have been at, um, made by the bookies.
0: Yeah, Barry, we might be going to see a, a very low-scoring series here, um, possibly, although we, we are starting a series later into the, into the summer. Um, it's been pretty warm here, hasn't it, until the last few days. We've had some pretty, pretty, pretty hot weather. Um, talking of those guys who did so well at Headingley uh, back in uh, 2017, Shea Hope, what, what has happened to Shea Hope? I mean, he was seen as a, a, you know, a huge rising star. But really, his, his figures since have been, you know, uh, uh, terribly disappointing, haven't they?
2: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, he hasn't played a lot of Test cricket um, in the time that he's left England. I mean, the West Indies play like six Tests a year. Last yeah. year, he played, what, uh, three in, against England, two against India, one against Afghanistan. So he only played six Tests in a whole year, where he played uh, 18 one internationals in that mm. entire. Period. I mean, we don't play a lot of test cricket, which is unfortunate. So, you know, it's easy to say he hasn't scored a century since 2017, which he hasn't. But that only equates to about what, 12 tests? So he hasn't scored a century in about 12 or 13 tests, which still is a lot. I'm not making excuses for him. I'm just saying that the focus more in the Caribbean recently has been 50 over cricket and T20 cricket. And that's why we haven't seen enough of Shea Hope at the longer version of cricket in addition he hasn't played a lot of first class cricket because the west Indies are usually touring uh, when the first class season is going on and right, david can yeah. be up on this um jason holder and uh, shea hope roston chase they don't play enough first class cricket they're always touring and they just miss out a lot on the opportunity to seize some time at the crease yeah, it's
0: interesting he says say that because I'm um, a player who'd really impressed me. Uh, what I've seen of him was Nicholas Puran. But then, when well, I did a bit of research on him, he's he's hardly played any first-class cricket since yeah, he came onto the scene.
2: He turned down the opportunity to be a, a full-time player for the Leeward Islands uh, a couple of seasons ago. Mm. He was drafted by them to play their first-class uh, setup, and he turned down the opportunity. So people are calling for Nicholas Puran, but I don't. I don't. I, don't, I think he has to show the inclination for interest first before he, you know, actually can come on and develop himself as a first class picketer
0: and is that is that the problem someone like nicholas poor and he's playing for for countless franchise teams around the world t10 as well as t20 i mean does, does your heart sink mash when you when you see someone with ability like that uh, just uh, uh staying in, in that form of the game
1: do you know what the the <laughs> yeah. old version yeah. the old version of me would mm. have said you pick Nicholas P- Puran for a, just using Puran as an example, mm. you pick him in the test team regardless, because we can all see that he's got ability. And the old me would have said, I'm tired of us rewarding players who don't do well, just mm. because somebody doesn't play domestic cricket. However, Barry's ultimately right. He at least has to play some first class cricket. You can't just go mm. Nicholas Puran is one of the most talented batsmen in the region. Yeah. Probably after Hetmeyer, he's the most naturally talented batsman um, in the region. Um, But at the same time, economics talks. I will never say, I will never be that person who says that a West Indian player shouldn't take the contracts that they get. Because you can't make, well, you can now make some kind of living. But why would you turn down huge contracts to go and play a first class season and just get by? It's the financial realities of playing cricket in, in the Caribbean.
3: I think that's a good point Mash because you can't blame these guys for playing franchise cricket earning you know 10 20 times much more than playing in the domestic four day because uh, usually domestic four day would clash with a whole number of those franchise tournaments you can't blame people just on the finance you know because uh, uh, what needs to happen is that um, you know they need to ha- have a plan of action to deal with that huge disparity which doesn't exist in English cricket so I've heard Pooran does want to play, um, you know, he's interested in playing test cricket, um, but he hasn't qualified, you know, by virtue of playing enough uh, or it any is. four day. but didn't stop joss Butler from being picked. I mean, how many fir- first-class <laughs> matches did he play? So let's get this into perspective. You mm. know, I think you make a good point, Hendo, that, you know, i put got Pooran, um, Evan, um, Evan um, Lewis. Um, Lewis, thank you very much. Mm. You know, even if you go back to Pollard in his career, you know, he's scoring anyone that can score one day centuries. And by the way, Shea Hope's, you know, been piling on the runs in one day cricket and playing a kind of test match anchor role. Everyone bats around him. So I think, you know, you've got some indication of his ability there anyway. Um, but yeah, there's a, lot, a whole lot of, um, for some reason, the test match West Indies team, there's absolutely no resemblance, you know, to the whiteboard. They wouldn't have to assemble two squads, you know, they've actually done mm. four of them. And I'm not sure that's right. And we've seen in Australia and England, they pick the best players regardless of format. So I think the old you, Mash, was right. (laughs) Bring him back. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, it's 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 a fair point. I mean, I would love to see Nicholas Pur, and I think he's a better player from all I've seen than than Hetmar, and I think Hetmar a very good player as well. Uh, I would have. I, I mean, I was quite shocked. I mean, if you're not following West Indies cricket cricket all all um, day every day, uh, these things slip you by until you're actually doing research to find out what's going on and and to, to realise that he's only played three first class matches in uh, three or four years. It's extraordinary. Uh, point is actually true about Josh Butler he's barely played, played apart from a test match he's played no first class cricket for about 2 years uh, for Lancashire so these things um, do affect affect both sides and he uh, got picked he got picked after that that 2 year period
3: you know during hmm. that 2 year period i should say it's not like he just started to play first class cricket to show willingness he hadn't shown any such inclination he was yeah. picked on the basis of his ipl
0: form well, he was picked on, the, uh, on, a, on an Ed Smith whim, wasn't he, to a certain extent, or, or, or a gut feeling, I suppose. And it, and it started quite well for him. It's, it's gone a little bit pear-shaped for him, for him since, and, and he's had uh, some difficulties there. Um, what, what do we think the mood is going to be like in, in both the camps? I mean, Barry, maybe you've been talking to one or two players. Mash, you've, you've talked to D'Souza. Um, you've been doing the press conference, as you said. Um, uh, David, uh, what have you picked up, Barry, from, from, from the people that you know in the camp?
2: Uh, well they're quite besides the fact that they're quite bored um, <laughs> they're, they're, they're eagerly looking forward to, to, to playing some cricket but you know I, I, I can't believe I'm agreeing so much with David Brooks today perhaps it's been the gin I've been drinking but be. I agree with the fact that they, they have not been playing in whites, which to me not give any level of seriousness to these games if they were playing against Sussex if they were playing against Lancashire they will be wearing whites and it will be a proper game. This is coming across, these games that they're playing are coming across as scrimmages. And yeah. I don't think that they've been taken seriously enough. And that's why we want well, to get in the best. You can't out blame of, the players. The yeah, you, Barry, you can't blame the
3: players for that, can you? There's a lack of intensity from the coaching <laughs> staff. Yeah. Oh, no, I mean.
2: Yeah. Most definitely not blaming the players. Uh, whoever's, whoever's made the decision, I think it's the right decision.
3: Lack of attention um, to detail you from can't Phil take Simmons. It more
2: seriously than just
3: Phil Simmons' lack of attention yeah. to detail. Tell me his test cricket credentials, Phil Simmons. I know about him, spectacular feats in one-day cricket and T20. Let's talk about his test cricket credentials. He doesn't have any.
2: Right, or or yeah. you want to come back on that? But, David, I w- w- want to ask you this. Tell me, who do you think is the best cricket coach right now? Who do you think is the best cricket coach? Uh, that, that's an interesting question but not the one I asked which <laughs> is
3: Phil Simmons? what are Phil Simmons' test yeah, credentials but the, the
2: point is the point is that you don't have to be the best at test cricket to be the best coach I mean uh, uh, Jurgen Klopp how many goals had he scored for Germany how many goals had he scored in Premier League you don't have to be the best coach to be the best David uh, so that's a non-point and a non-argument um, I know, why uh, not get the Jim- Gary Somers to come back <clears throat>
3: <throat> I think we're just criticising Buran for lack of interest in test cricket, wouldn't it be been good for Phil Simmons to have shown some interest in it? I mean, he hasn't shown any interest in it. He's only been a coach of teams that haven't played at test cricket. He doesn't so play is it very for, much is as, it a, fa- as a cricketer.
0: Is it fair to say that between the two of you, we have a pro-Simmons we have pro Simmons and anti-Simmons. I'm just wondering whether Mash in between sits somewhere in the middle or, or what his view on the coaching situation <laughs> is?
1: Um, so, first things first, in, with regards to the Whites, though, my understanding is one of the reasons they didn't play in them is because the kits weren't ready, which would sound about right in terms of West Indies and uh, organisation. Um, I think they wanted to wait for, because they've got a um, new kit sponsor, Castor, they didn't want to wear the Whites prior to the first test. When it's, uh, yeah, go. I wonder whether that's an all-time first cricket team doesn't
2: bring any Whites.
1: No, I think mash, I, I think it was an advertising hogwash. decision.
2: Hogwash. Mash, mash, mash. That's total hogwash. I would not accept that for any pound in the world because you're playing in England. You're playing at a place where you can get things done at, the, at the, the snap of a finger. You got a plane to pick up seven people in seven territories and you got them to assemble in Antigua to fly out to England in a biosecure area and you're telling me you can't get shirts and pants, it's hogwash. I don't buy it. Sorry. Well,
0: hang on. To be, uh, to, be fair, to be fair, Mash, I do think yeah, I did see you tweet the other day, didn't you, about um, one of the batsmen in a hoodie. You, you, you were enjoying it. It was quite a good look, weren't you? Was that was that one of your colleagues on the Caribbean? Yeah, that wasn't me who tweeted
1: that. <laughs> but, well, that wasn't me who tweeted that, but I do agree with both Barry and uh, David in so much as the first thing that went from my head was, if we're playing in training gear, this isn't really a match. And that's mm. why, uh, earlier on, Hendo, when you asked me, that's why I didn't take it seriously. When yeah. you asked, me, oh, what does it tell you for the test? Nothing as far as I'm concerned, I'm I'm not really taking any, as Barry used the right word, it's like scrimmage, I'm not taking it seriously. Uh,
0: Um, Are those sort of games any better than just a very, very intense net?
1: Yeah, but then I also think, I also think though, that county games wouldn't have provided any kind, when the West Indies toured uh, in 2017, I went to their county games against um, (laughs) Kent and uh, Essex, and they were a waste of time. And I'm, from watching those i i immediately pronounce we are going to get destroyed in the first test because it, and we presumed we immediately got destroyed in the first test so i don't really pay a lot of attention to to the to these games to be honest mm. what i would say though in terms of phil simmons uh, and where i stand do you know what i'm with barry um i like phil simmons but here's why i like phil simmons what west indies need right now is a coach who the players respect as a leader and he Phil Simmons is a um, he He is a coach it's not just about his skills cricketing skills it's about do players actually respond to him and I think on that respect and West Indies right now needs a leader like that where there's a bit more of a harmonious atmosphere um, this is my opinion I could be wrong yeah. but a bit more of a harmonious atmosphere within the camp And it, and to be honest it needs to be a West Indian uh, is he a motivator, Barry? Is he, is he a good man-manager? Uh, well, I, I didn't play at the
2: highest level with him, but um, from what I understand, the players do like him. They do respect him. Uh, don't forget, he was there before. He had a bit of a stint. Uh, Shiv Narayan Shandapal might not feel the same way because he ended Shiv's career. <laughs> but generally, I think the players, the, the players do respect him. The players have shown an inclination to, to listening to him. He was not given the full chance to get to full Monty. So you have to say that this is a, a perfect opportunity. I want to see a bit more of him, perhaps another year or two. But it is clear that Phil Simmons gets his way uh, in, the, in these things and in these team um, selections and whatever. So let me see with him getting his way if he's going to get some success as well. well no, Masha, I, didn't, I didn't say I didn't uh, like gentlemen, him. Oh, okay, I, okay. Just I,
3: said, <laughs> I didn't say I didn't like him. I just said I, I, just, I, was, I was doubting his. I think, I think he's been an outstanding coach make that clear at ODI and T20 level. I was just questioning nice. his test match credentials for a test series. This is a test series. Uh, yep. Just like if we went in with uh, Owen Morgan in charge of the <laughs> test team, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be a great, uh, a great first coaching appointment. And I, I mean, if we're going to talk about Phil, uh, Phil Simmons, though, we should also, you know, cite the circumstances in which he did um, leave before. Um, when when he was criticising the fact that he only you know only had a few certain players to choose from, and he wished he could have more players uh, to choose from, and so on and so forth. So yeah, he is coming to this uh, you know second time round as well.
0: Yeah, I guess as a coach, I mean, if you have your hands tied in 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 some way uh, about people you can select and people you can't select, um, you do feel like well I'm being judged on a team perhaps that I haven't really uh, given my yeah, but, complete thumbs but, up to. But should you say that? Well, should you say that as coach? Uh, yeah. Possibly not, uh, possibly definitely, not.
3: Definitely
2: not. I just have, I've got a very urgent press conference being held by Sir Gary Sobers, so I'm
1: going to leave uh, the discussion. But
3: <laughs> Barry, I I've heard of some lame excuses for leaving our programme. Gary Sobers, Gary, who is that man? An interview with Sir Gary Sobers isn't one of them.
0: Well, all right, in that case, Barry, if you are going to, if are going to shoot off to, to talk to much more famous people than us, um, we, we thank you for your contribution. I hope we will have um contribution from you throughout the series as well. Most definitely. Just give me a ring and I'll be there. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Well, I'll, um, I'll, we'll, we'll say goodbye to Barry and we've got uh, David and, and Mash um, still here. But let's, let's just talk about this, this fact of Test cricket being played in front of nobody. Um, now, my feeling is that maybe too much is being made of this because a lot of Test cricket is played in front of nobody these days. Um, does, is it really necessary for Stuart Broad to talk to the team psychologist about the fact that there's going to be no fans there? Uh, David, you must have some views on this. I I think it's ridiculous of Stuart
3: Broad to do such a thing. You know, you play under any conditions, you know, If you're telling me that he would have trouble, you know, motivating himself uh, in the absence of a crowd. It's just ridiculous. You have to play in the conditions as you find them. And uh, it seems as though, you know, like silence is something that he's, you know, afraid of. And uh, no, I mean, without using the word psychobabble, um, it does strike me as being, yeah, uh, odd that Stuart Broad should have made those uh,
0: statements. I mean, you're still playing for England and um, yeah. I, well, yeah, but I mean, this is the thing, isn't it, Mash? I mean, it, there is so much Test cricket, which is played in front of maybe a couple of thousand people in a, in a huge stadium from time to time. It's, it's not going to be any any different
1: from that, is it? Yeah. And I mean, certainly for the West Indian players, it should make no difference whatsoever. Um, unless England are touring the Caribbean or in some senses India, slight sense with Australia, a few um, smattering of Aussie tourists. Generally speaking, if you tune in to watch West Indies test series on the first day, no matter where you are, no one's there. Mm. Um, You might have like a couple hundred, uh, maybe just under a grand. So for the West Indian players, I don't think it makes any difference whatsoever. If it affects anybody, it should affect England because they're used to crowds actually being there. Um, Mm -hmm. Although in county cricket, you could argue against smattering of hundreds here and there, but lots of them don't even play county cricket that often. So to me, it doesn't make any difference. Um, I do wonder though, and if we're not the ones who should matter, but I do wonder how it, having seen how the Premier League has returned with no fans and like Mm -hmm. hearing that kind of eerie silence as they're playing apart from when a goal is scored, Mm -hmm. I am intrigued to see how different it is watching... Cricket on TV, knowing no one's there, yeah, and just how the acoustics all work. I, I haven't heard yet if Sky are going to try and um, overplay like the light smattering of applause when the ball goes to the bat. I, I don't know what they're going to do about that. I think um, one thing
3: one thing they will do, Mash, is they they've
1: said that they're going to
3: uh, increase uh, the volume of when ball hits willow. You know, sort of oh, okay. of willow. So I think that's that's a good thing. And I don't think the silence. You know, it's amazing in this world. That we think of silence as being sort of completely uh, unacceptable backdrop you know, to a game of cricket. I've watched the majority of cricket uh, in complete silence. I mm. remember at Sussex when I grew up watching Sussex, and you you know, you really couldn't speak or move during an over. You know, yeah. you would certainly be uh, stared at or scow- scowled at by someone. So uh, the, the whole sort of recent T20 thing of you've got to have sort of music, you've got to know it's a four. You know, it's not really a proper boundary. Unless you hear music, I'm not speaking about the village jingles, obviously. Of, uh, <laughs> of course
0: not. That, 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 that's that's vital to any test match, as we know. Yeah, it's crazy. And as for the fact that the
3: Barmy Army ever influenced the home result, they're just tedious. In the home series, the Barmy Army are tedious. Mm. Uh, in the away series, they're great. In home series, to be honest, if you you know if you drawn the short straw and find yourself sitting in the Barmy Army section, I mean it's not going to enhance your enjoyment of the of the test cricket i don't think you know and test cricket you know not like that so i think it's going to affect the people watching more than it is going to affect the players right. i think as a spectacle to watch you know i mean I, I remember at channel four we used to have this view that we we don't cover any sport that mm. where where, there, where where you haven't got a, a full stadium we just don't cover it um and we shouldn't be there if it's not something that people want to see so from a tv point of view yeah i think it's going to be um um a bit, a bit odd yeah do they put some crowd noise you know apparently in football they use the crowd noise from uh, one of the fifa games or something but they, they can't <laughs> find, right, yeah yeah they can't find an equivalent match um in, in cricket but no i don't think it's going to affect um the game and if it does affect Stuart ball then um and plenty of people who replace him in that England side. Well,
0: I was going to say maybe maybe you'd just like to sit it out in the dressing room, which which could actually happen. <laughs> I suppose we should just just um, uh, acknowledge that. I mean, uh, from a, the point of view of an England attack, uh, where they've got the choice, they've got Anderson, Broad, Wokes, and um, uh, Archer. Um, and, of course, with Ben Stokes able to bowl as well, you're, on, you're only going to be picking three out of four seamers, aren't you? It does seem strange that, that someone like Dominic Best would be on the team sheet before Stuart Broad, but, but that's the kind of situation that we've got now. Um, presumably, these players are all going to get a, get a go during the series or certainly during the summer. Uh, but it's going to be quite a statement if, if someone like Stuart Broad does get left out. And, and, in, and is it wise to put Archer and Wood, who um, we want to see straining at the leash? but who seem to be the most injury prone, is it wise to put them in the same team at this stage?
3: Well, Jimmy Anderson's been injury prone as well, hasn't True. he? And yeah, absolutely. He'll be, a, he'll be approaching this series with just as much apprehension as the West Indian tourists, because, mm. you know, he's broken down in the last two series. So, um, you know, so yeah, because for him, the net is three, it's three, third time out, isn't it? He breaks down again. Yeah. In this series, well, I don't mean break down, but you know, sort of, pull up with an injury, to put it less emotively. If he pulls up for a third time, he won't be back. So he's literally, he could be facing his last uh, test match.
0: So even even more reason for England fans to want uh, Archer and, and, and Wood to do to do well. Uh, um,
1: how do you see it, Mash? How do you see that sort of England attack um, shaping up? I think if they're taking the attitude that it's three back-to-back tests, then all of the players you would assume have been told at the beginning of the series, you're all going to get a game. So unlike in a normal, I don't know, let's say this was a normal three-match series, you might not give Chris Wilkes a game till the third test when the series is already won. Mm. But I think, I don't know, because World Test Championship points are still at stake here. So there is that sense that you still have to put your best team out. But this is a long return back to cricket after... um, Sorry, this is a return back to cricket after such a long break that mm. you, risk, you risk players getting injuries if you just go for it. It's got to be the best team. It's got to be the best team. I mean, certainly in the West Indies camp, there's definitely the sense that they will be rotating as well. So if, for example, Rakeem Cornwall doesn't play in the first test, you have to assume, because Old Trafford takes spin more than uh, the Aegis Bowl would, that he will turn up in the second or third test. So there is definitely a sense that for this series in particular... There will be rotation. And also, I think in England's case, because they know Pakistan is coming up afterwards, there's more urgency for them to protect their players mm. for the next series as well, rather than go all out every single test, burn your players out, and then what, what are you going to do for Pakistan? Yeah, well, uh, be a, yeah go on, Dave. Sorry,
3: Hen, I was going to say, there's going to be a time soon. You know, when you wake up one morning and England have got a new uh, opening attack just yeah. in the way... Do you remember that we woke yeah. up one morning and there was no longer Harmison and Hoggart? Yeah, they were replaced by Broad and Anderson. It just happened overnight, and I still I think we're leading up to that. You know where where you know because Ollie Robinson is a Jimmy Anderson uh, waiting to happen. You know Ollie Robinson's taken uh, more wickets in first class cricket than anyone in the last two years, and if you watch him bowl, you know he's right up there in the Jimmy Anderson uh, league as of now. I'm not talking yeah. about five ten years ago, but as of now. And then you've got, yeah, you got Wood and and uh, and Joffre. Um, so this could be the series where that uh, double act is broken.
0: Well, there you are. I mean, you've got those, the, I think, Ollie Robinson's amongst the, the so-called reserves, isn't he? I was very impressed. I watched a little bit of the feed from the, the ECB of the England inter squad game, and, and I was very impressed just watching a couple of overs from him. Um, maybe, do we do we think this notion of not being able to put spit on the ball or saliva on the ball is going to have any effect at all?
1: I don't think so. Mash, what do you think? No. But again, based on what I've seen from the, the warm up games for, for both teams, I'm, no, I'm not convinced. Um, I mean,
3: I, yeah, I've never put uh, spit on the ball myself. You know, sweat can still be mm. applied mm. and you can still polish it up. Whatever happens, they all good polish up yeah. on the trousers. And uh, in fact, Kimar Roach in the press conference yesterday uh, did say that they've been experimenting West Indies with uh, different forms of, uh, you know, asking it to the sweatiest member of the team that was one thing that both said the other option was um uh you know finding ways of really uh, rubbing uh, getting the shine by rubbing it uh, uh, on the flannel so uh, yeah uh, or the terralines whatever do, the do,
0: do, do we Did we actually find out from the press conference who is the sweatiest man in the west indies team no we don't it's definitely
3: not prince andrew in the space
0: okay. Okay. okay all right well that's that's good to know let's just uh, wrap this up i mean it's it, we could go on for ages there is a lot to talk about really if 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 people had the patience. But um, let's just look at the, this this series. As you say, three back-to-back tests. So we haven't really had that very often, if at all. In fact, you know, we often have um, two sections of two tests back-to-back. To have, but have three um, so close together is going to be interesting. We haven't got a sponsor. We haven't got a title sponsor. It's going to be the Raise the Bat series. Um, and hopefully lots of people will be raising their bats. Um, what do we see? What do we see is happening? I mean, can, can you see the West Indies building on what, on what they did in 2019, MASH? Can you see an away
1: victory for the West Indies here? So there will be no victory for West Indies. That's that's, I'm not even going to try and discuss that the best the West Indies can hope for is there's only two options. West Indies can hope for here. Rain seriously intervenes and means that we only lose one nil or maybe draw. Right. Um, However, I do think that West Indies can pull off at least one test match. Well, say at least. I think they can pull off one test match victory. And not because um, they're mirroring what happened in 2017, but actually the squad is, <laughs> minus my brother, the squad is probably better, more experienced than it was uh, three years ago. And actually, going back to what David said about the, the England top order, the way I see West Indies winning one test match is. They bat first. Everyone keeps saying we bowl first, so whichever way. But yeah. basically, the England top order is bowled out for under 200. If you do that to any side, you are in the game. So as much as I, I, I can be a pessimist and say, but look at the West Indies top order, they're so fragile, you have to assume that the English top order has at least one innings in the course of the series where they also will show extreme fragility. And it's just about can the West Indies capitalize on that? They only need to do it once. They just need to capitalise on England collapsing one time and that puts them in a test match in a position to possibly win it. Um, but I just I don't think... They, yeah. I don't think they have the consistency to do it across three test matches. Matt, yeah, they, they
3: only they- need... Well, we're talking about a series where West Indies uh, just need to draw the series to retain the Wisdom that's Trophy. That's true, that's true. You know, if this was the Ashes, we'd all be going on about retaining the Ashes. We wouldn't be talking about you know, winning the series, yet yeah, for the mm. Wisden Trophy, that's just ignored as though the competition between the West Indies and England only matters when England hold the Wisden Trophy. The fact that West Indies hold it has not been mentioned by anyone. Uh, and um, so I think West Indies only need to win one match, you know, to, uh, they can draw one and uh, you say, uh, the forecast doesn't look great, maybe one of them will be rained off. They need to win one match because uh, I think they they're, they're probably will lose the first because of the fact that their preparation um, you know, a- has been poor in terms of practice in these conditions. Mm-hmm. Practice in these conditions, which are very different uh, to playing in the Caribbean. So usually West Indies need a test to get into it. Yeah. The fact that it's two more back to back after that plays into the West Indies' advantage. You know, it's a bit like when you go out for the fourth or fifth time, you're going to get runs at some point, aren't you? Going out, you're going to have plenty of chances uh, for those players that are nailed on. And that's most of the West Indies batting order have been told they've got the whole series. You know, certainly got the most of the series. Um, so I think it will play to West Indies' advantage, and they may even have. They've only got level fitness, possibly more. You know, that young athletic team, So plenty of bowlers. And don't, I think when Phil Simmons said today, Hendo, mm. that um, there could be changes after the first test. This is a touring team with twenty-five, the best players of the Caribbean to choose from. They are capable of finding an eleven that will beat England. No problem at all.
0: Uh, so I suppose most podcasts doing serious things would say give us give us um give us a series score and um and then we'll be off having um some beers and, and looking forward to Wednesday morning. Um, what are you going to go for, Dave? Well, one all from what I've said. One all. That's all. Wisdom is need. Mash two one England. Two one England. Uh, well, <laughs> you will be able to find out by joining us on Guerrilla Cricket on Wednesday morning at ten fifty a.m. It's going to be a slightly different Guerrilla Cricket because uh, like we are here with the podcast, we're uh, doing it remotely. Uh, Knackle and uh, the Bear will be trying to avoid each other in the studio. The rest of us will be scattered far and wide. Um, it's going to be an experience. It's going to be an experience for all of us. It's going to be fun. It's going to be cricket again at last. And I, I think we can all say hallelujah to that. Can we not? Hallelujah. 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 Thanks for, thanks for your contribution. And thanks also to Barry. And, and I hope he's having a, a very good and informative uh, interview with Gary Sobers, Sir Garfield. All right, guys, thanks very much.
2: Cheers, Endo. Cheers. Cheers.
3: Sports Social Podcast Network.
2: Lucky
1: Land Casino
0: asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Ah, in my dentist's office.